Welcome to Artists of New England. This is a podcast created to inspire you on your journey of artistic expression. Whether you are a career artist, a teacher, an emerging artist, or hobbyist, you can learn and gain support from your peers. We will explore the symbiotic relationship between these groups, lending insight and empathy towards each other. We will discover the where, when, why, and how of the creative process of artists living and working in New England, with occasional bonus interviews with gallery owners, collectors of fine art, and art historians. Perhaps today's show will bring you the aha moment you've been waiting for. Hello, and welcome to Artists of New England with your host, Laura Casanari-King. Today, I'm delighted to have Pamela DeLong-Williams with me. Welcome, Pamela. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. So excited to find out about you and your work. And so start off, I always like to find out about how everyone became a New Englander. Were you born here? I was born outside of Boston in Needham, Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. And grew up? And grew up there, which brings me to my first introduction to art as a profession. Wow, really? Yes. How did that connection happen? My grandmother's sister worked for N.C. Wyeth. Oh, And they lived down the street from my grandmother. Um, And I was dawdling over my breakfast (laughs) as my wheat Tina turned into wallpaper paste and (laughs) refusing to eat it. And my grandmother, being very clever, said, oh, I have to tell you something. You want to be an artist? She said, look at this. And she put the Wee Tina box in front of me mm-hmm. with the illustration by NCY of one of the last of the Mohegans. I remember wow. this illustration of the Indian Army. And how old were you? I was probably eight. I don't know, whenever you yeah. come to age where you have clear recollection and understanding right. Right. of what's going on. So I, I guess I would say eight. Mm-hmm. And um, so she put it in front of me and she said, if I wanted to be an artist, I had to eat my cream of wheat <laughs> because I would be a good artist. And then she pulled out a print that N.C. Wyatt had inscribed to her, and she told me all about what a wonderful artist he was. Mm -hmm. So that was my first introduction to professional art. Wow, very nice, very nice. So what did you do um, after that, up through, say, high school, and how did you proceed with? My next recollection was Watching my dad do paint by numbers at the kitchen table. And I fell in love with paint by numbers, which I think still influences me when I paint because I still think about it. I think about the shapes and the colors being distinctly separate. But then backing up and it all comes together and creates form. And I became aware of that at that point. Wow. And did he let you dabble in that? Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 That's nice. 
So in high school, did you have high school art classes or did you? Um, by the time I had gotten to high school, I had many years of private training, uh, painting with my father, mostly working in casings. Okay. Um, and um, he would drive me to Boston to take private lessons with an artist named James Price, mm. who was also affiliated with the Rockport Art Association, I believe, at that time. Or around that time, he was the president of the Rock, Rockport Art Association. Okay. And I would work in his studio in Boston. He was also... Uh, affiliated with the Art Institute in Boston. Okay. Um, so he took me under his wings and basically unleashed me with abstract painting nice. and, and case scenes. Okay. So you kind of discovered your style or where you wanted to head? With, no, I, yeah. I never a style. I've never okay, okay. thought of a style. I don't think okay. of a style. I think that's, that's a shot in the foot. Mm. Uh, but that began my experimentation with paint mm -hmm. and creating because it was all out of my head. Oh, okay. So you weren't using models or no, painting? No, no. Then, mm. then uh, freshman year I um, of high school, I started the Saturday course at the Museum of Fine Arts, which I continued right through my high school years. Mm -hmm. During the summer, I was spending the summer in Gloucester and my dad would come up and we would go to Rockport and paint because mm -hmm. uh, James Price was there. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I was in the middle of this museum school training, which I just did not like. Mm -hmm. I mean, I appreciated the disciplines of it, but there was no art spirit to okay. it. There was no life mm -hmm. to it. And I had already had years of uh, people cultivating my creative exploration right. so of art. Like, so this, yeah, mm -hmm. was very stifling. Mm -hmm. So um, on one occasion, as I told you uh, before, <laughs> My dad and I were on the jetty in Rockport painting the motif, yeah. number one. And all I was surrounded by in Rockport was realism. Yeah. And I felt that's what was expected of me. Mm. And I couldn't do it. Yeah. I couldn't do it. Um, because as you can see from my dad's work, he opened a door to... Yeah. A much more expressive right. work for me and he introduced me to Matisse mm -hmm. who is still my rock mm -hmm. got his book here oh right here <laughs> um nice so so that was a turning point for you you made a strong realization and I revolted and mm -hmm. I was very emotional about it my dad mm -hmm. told me I had to move on from this. I had to either study in Paris or, or go to New York. Yeah. And that that was planted in the back of my mind. Yes. It, so, my um, mother had encouraged me 
to apply for BU mm -hmm. so that I could be an art teacher. I said, I don't want to be an art teacher. <laughs> I, I don't want to get married and have kids. I want to be a painter. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to be. Yeah. I want to be a working artist. So fortunately, my sister had two friends that were brothers. And she said to me, they go to commercial art school. Hmm. She said, I'm going to have them come over and show you what their portfolio is and what commercial art school was about. Okay. Well, this was my first introduction to graphic design and illustration. They came over. Wow. I, I remember they arrived in an Austin Healey 3000, and I was always a car freak, so I thought, oh, this is cool. This is a sign. And they got out of the car with these two big black portfolios, and they spread them out on my wow. mother's living room floor, and they showed me what graphic design was, and layout, and illustration, and working with pastels in those days, it was this mm. new pastel, and there was a look to illustration. I fell in love, yeah. and I thought, that's where I'm going. Wow. I am going on to graphic design and commercial art. and. I, when I look back at the miles behind me, I can, and came to appreciate Matisse for his composition. Mm -hmm. I just, um, I can see how that did influence me because mm -hmm. I think that's one of the greatest influences okay. of my, um, my work yeah. is, it is, is the composition. Okay. And design. And um, mm. so uh, my dad passed away um, just before I graduated from high school. So I thought, well, I'm going to apply for uh, commercial art school, which I did. And a very good commercial art school in Boston, which I could afford, was Vespa George School of Art. Mm -hmm. And um, I applied, I was accepted, and I loved it. Mm -hmm. I loved everything about graphic design and mm -hmm. illustration and figurative drawing. And I, I love the figure. I yeah. just love the figure. Yeah. Um, so that's how I made my, my uh, path. Yeah. That was the beginning of my uh, commitment to it. Nice. So I graduated, I <clears throat> rented a little U-Haul it, <laughs> I put my brass bed that I had found in an alley in Back Bay, <laughs> I put that in the back of the U-Haul, my bicycle, and I went to Westport, Connecticut, because Westport, Connecticut was a community of designers and illustrators. The mm -hmm. best designers and illustrators in New York seemed to live out in Westport, Connecticut, as right. did um, a lot of actors and writers and famous artist schools was established out there. Yeah. And I was just in heaven. I worked in New York, my first job in an advertising agency. Mm -hmm. And um, then I worked in a design studio in Westport. Um, my husband, 
uh, my former husband at the time went to, I met him at art school in Boston. Mm -hmm. We went together to Westport and um, we started our own design studio, which moved oh. into Manhattan for a while. Wow. Uh, well, for a long while, but I ended up, uh, because I painted on the weekends and I, I just mm. always, always painted, no matter how long our hours were working freelance, keeping full-time jobs in studios and then building our studio yeah. on the side. I, if it was two o'clock in the morning and I had a vision, I painted. Wow. Um, so I was always very committed to yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think it was, we were married about six years and had our first child and I'm painting illustrations for the baby's nursery. <laughs> and I said, boy, I can't wait till I can just focus on this. Yeah. And he said, I think you ought to do it now. Wow. So the baby was born and I went back to studying painting. I went to the Art Students League in New York mm -hmm. and um, just made the living room into a studio and covered the walls with small canvases <laughs> in every single day. It's amazing when you have a newborn. Yeah how much time you have to yeah, paint. Right. Every single a good sleeper. <laughs> every single day I painted and when she was awake she was in a backpack. Mhm. Mm on my my nice. back and yeah. I painted and I painted. Yeah. I love it. That's amazing. So you put in your miles. Put in my miles. Wow. So where did you go from there? Did you start showing in galleries in the area or mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just basically committed to learning how to paint. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't. Um, so you weren't looking for the, a career at it at that point? It was my career it was always. Yeah. I wasn't choosing it. It yeah. was just something that I had always done. Yeah. I mean, always. Yeah. I wasn't a kid that did anything but painting. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I was asked to... Um, participate in a show in uh, Row 8 in Connecticut um, and uh, it was a weekend show that they would do and they've done it for 45 years and it was called the Budget Collectors Art Show and um, they would feature an artist every year so they asked they came and they saw all these small paintings I must have had 85 paintings on this one wall in, your in living my room. living room <laughs> and a baby's playpen underneath it. And if I ran out of canvases, I just pulled the painting I liked the least and I painted over it. And um, wow. yeah, so they asked me if I would participate in that. Nice. And I, I gave them probably 15, 20 canvases and they mm. all sold. And nice. then I was asked if I would teach and I think I was, um, I don't know, I must have been 27 at the time. And I said, no, you know, I just <laughs> remembered my mother trying to put you in that box me to be a teacher. Oh. And, um, but they, they convinced me to try it. 
Mm, okay. And I tried it, and I loved it. Really? I loved it. Wow. So what, what do you think happened? What, what is the best part of teaching for you that, that grabbed you and pulled you in? The best part of teaching, and I'm in my 44th year of teaching, yeah. um, was uh, that I dragged them along with me. And I have had <laughs> some of the same students for 40 some odd years. Wow. And they ha a lot of them have gone on to uh, exhibiting themselves or teaching themselves, but we always come back and we work together. I've dragged them up to uh, Stonington, Maine, and Cape Breton <laughs> Island, and Mexico, and Italy for five wow. years, and Provence. I love it. Um, I, we would work on problems together. Okay. And I don't believe in method teaching. That's not what I do. Okay. I do not method paint. Mm -hmm. I have always leaned toward more toward the school of the Impressionist painters. Okay. So many people think, though, that to, to paint impressionistically or abstractly, you have to have a good foundation in realism. You do. Is that what you You have to have a good foundation in painting. In painting. The realism is um, working on your drawing skills. Yeah. Yeah. Learning anatomy, mm. learning perspective, okay. learning how to draw. And I think people that come to painting sometimes later in life skip that. Yes. They are, and it's, it's understandable, they're attracted to the color yeah. and the palette. So what do you do with those students? I, I start them with the basics. Good. Yeah. You know, I, I, that first of all, it's a given. You have to practice your drawing. Yeah. You know, if you do not, for me, yeah. if I didn't practice my drawing, I have drawn from the model mm -hmm. once a week, at least once a week, every week since 1969. Wow. And is that charcoal or graphite? Oh, or? it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Anything. It doesn't matter. I fill sketchbooks. From a live model. From a live model. Okay. I fill sketchbooks. Nice. Um, I think the other thing that is paramount in painting is composition. Mm -hmm. um, I often share with my students that um, the, the introduction to one of the old Andrew Wythe catalogs I have for one of his exhibits, I quote him saying, if a painting does not have a good compositional foundation, it doesn't matter what the hand skills are. Mm. And that composition, uh, you know, you can paint like Motherwell, you can paint like Rothko, you can paint like Andrew Wyatt. Mm -hmm. But if you're not compositionally mm. building yeah. the picture area mm. through the use of the tools that right. that you really need to know mm -hmm. uh, the tools of painting, um, it's just not going to pull someone from the end of the gallery down the yeah. gallery. It's yeah. not going to, and it's not going to hold up. And I think, I think one of the greatest painters 
was Matisse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the older I've gotten and the hundreds of exhibits and books and, I mean, I have experienced, I really come to back to Matisse and realize what a master he was mm. of composition and color and he knew what he was doing yeah. and so did Bonnard mm. and so did Vuillard um, and yet they handled the space and the planes very differently mm -hmm. um, yeah strong influence that's, that's great words I think probably at least half our listeners are in my range of someone coming to art late in life and it took me about two years in to realize that foundation of drawing wasn't there so I did go back and take a I had already taken a drawing one class I went back and took a drawing two from the live figure which I just did recently and found it intoxicating it was so I was so scared to try it <laughs> and um, I did it with Shana Gates at uh, the Great Bay Community College it just happened to fit in my schedule and it uh, was fantastic and I through that class I came to realize the importance of drawing for me I tried to draw every day because I have so much to catch up <laughs> that's to me the ticket so yeah that's some great advice there I've often drawn the analogy drawn you know, <laughs> um, to if you were to music yeah. if I have had many professional musicians as friends through the years um, art schools being closely affiliated sure. with conservatories yeah. and if they don't practice their scales yeah yeah you know Absolutely. if you don't practice your hand skill yeah yeah very true very yeah. very true so um, as you're dragging your students along mm -hmm. what's the aha like what is it that you're so excited that they finally get is it that they can now produce a good composition it's more selfish than Okay, <laughs> let's have it. It's not what they get. <laughs> it's what I get yeah. by observing them go off in their own directions. Okay, nice. They inspire me nice. because I'm not teaching a method of yeah. painting. Yeah. I, I'm trying to scratch away at why they want to do this. Okay. What first struck them yeah. about that setup that we're all doing? What is it? Is okay. it what's their emotional response to the light to the shadow to mm. the movement to the space to what is it what are the verbs yeah what are the verbs that you're responding to that you're inspired by so it's it's really been watching them take the information right. um, for about four or five years I taught a master's course here okay. which I designed Okay. And I was very proud of what came out of that course. Mm. Um, many of the painters are very strong painters right here now on the seacoast. Yeah. Uh, without going into the whole syllabus, it was a one project due at the end of the year with many facets. Mm -hmm. The, uh, either setups I would set up or uh, journaling they would have to do a lot of talking a lot of creative sessions nice. and working individually with everyone okay. 
Um, it was really, I was very excited about it. Yeah. And I, um, it sounds phenomenal. Is that something you're going to do in the future? I'm always open to doing it. It depends where I'm at with my work because okay. that's truly, yeah. that's yeah. why I say it's more selfish yeah. than that. I used yeah. to tell the students, I give them the problems I don't know how to solve. And then <laughs> I watch what they do with it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. That's wonderful. I love it. So in, in your own work, um, what does a painting have to do for you before you say, wow, it's finished? What are you looking for it to say or feel? Is it different with each one? Oh, yeah. Well, it depends what I'm striving for Right. in each painting. Okay. If, I, if I've achieved what, I, what struck me right. initially and what I discovered in doing mm. the painting. Okay. Because the inspiration is only a place where I begin. Yeah. It's not a it's not a visual of a finished product. Okay. Yeah. Do you understand mm -hmm. what that means? Yeah. So um, when it's done, I know it. Mm. And sometimes I can't put a it's very difficult with my portrait work to put a schedule on my port or a deadline on my portrait work. Yeah. So talk about that if you would your your um, process for portraiture I think is pretty fascinating always from live always figures. from life and um, sometimes I've had to work from photographs mm -hmm. of people that are deceased. Mm -hmm. um, but it's that experience that knowledge I've gained from working from life mm -hmm. um, the camera cannot give you um, a sense of space mm -hmm. in form as you know working from life can mm -hmm. um, there's only so much information that um, an image a, photo a photographic image can give you they can't really give you the nuances of temperature and intensity and how a form does recede into space and what projects it to come forward. Oh. That's why, you know, studying in the studio with a still life, mm -hmm. studying all those forms from life mm -hmm. and how to create the illusion of three dimensions okay. in a two dimensional space. Um, yeah. You can only get from life. And once, after working as much as I have, all the hundreds and thousands of portraits that I've done from life, um, I can pull it off if I use the black and white photograph. Oh, interesting. And you know, it's a little more difficult with digital because digital focuses everything the same. Yeah. When I would do a shoot with my old Nikon, a portrait shoot for a painting, I could control the focusing yeah. so yeah. that I could do some of the composing through the lens of the camera. Yeah. Um, and now with digital, everything's flatly on the same surface and mm -hmm. in the same focus with the same intensity. Yeah. 
it's just it doesn't have that um, kind of information. So when you have a subject before you, what what do you do? Do you have them pose? Do you? I'd never pose. Um, I wrote an article on this in last year's art guide. Ah. I never pose a model. I think that's the first shot in the foot <laughs> if you do that. <laughs> One strike against you. Because, without getting too lengthy, everyone has their own body language. Yeah. Everyone has their own shape, their own way of carrying themselves. So when I recognize someone I know from afar, yeah, that's how I recognize that's them. That's very true. That's how you recognize in silhouette yeah. a sunflower from an iris. Yeah. Right? Right. It's the shape. So if I start to, mm. I have a wonderful chair that I always use. I found it on the side of the road. It's so comfortable. <laughs> I love it. And people can sit in this chair for hours. Yeah. And the nice thing about this chair is they take their own body language. Mm. In how, this do you, chair. how do you get them to do that? I, I, some, I, some method. <laughs> there is a method. Because, I, I mean, if I was to sit, I'd probably be nervous. And I probably wouldn't fall into. So I talk to them. I'd want to look. You know. I set things <laughs> up. I talk to them. Okay. I set up my palette. I ask them questions. Okay. I, all the time, I'm kind of observing okay. their body language. And they get comfortable. And then what kind of music do you like? And mm. how, oh, you know, I really like that shirt on you. That's whatever okay. pops up. I'm a, I'm a people person. Yeah. So it's. It's just natural. And, and I love people. Yeah. So if you're going to sit for me, I'm going to crawl in your head. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and you're going to get comfortable. <laughs> and you're going to, and then I'll say, I just observe. Mm. And I put different backdrops behind you. Because I'm, I'm an impressionist painter, mm -hmm. I'm not an academy portrait painter. Mm -hmm. I've never taken a portrait class. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so I just, um, I have to see what best enhances mm -hmm. your complexion. Yeah. And, you know, you've already come to me in, in choices you've made that make you comfortable. Sure. What you're wearing, how your hair is. Right. Right. And then at some point you say that stop, maybe. I say, I like that. You like that. Okay, good. So you I find like something. That. So nice. I work with, the model <clears throat> gives me everything I need. Mm. It's yeah. the model that is the narrative for the painting. Yeah. I mean, you capture... Like when I see your portraits, I think that I could know, I could get in that person's head and feel what they were thinking. I mean, it's just Thank amazing you. how you capture that. And you've never had a portrait class. I've never <laughs> taken a portrait class. That one just blew me away. I was like, what? But uh, I know that chart that I keep driving home with everybody, the, the principles of painting, you yeah. know, what your toolbox is. Right, right, very important. <clears throat> Excuse me. What defines success for you as an artist? Growth. Growth. Good. I like that. That I keep changing, that I, I stay inspired. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. 
So tell us a little bit about um, the show at the Discover Portsmouth Center and oh, those Gertrude Fisks. What's going on there? Yeah, those Gertrude. I, I was Fisks. just blown away. I just, I mean, just there's that there's such passion and connection yeah. in those paintings. I think, I think she's amazing. Right. And when I came back up to this area of yeah. New England, because I was very in the art scene i was entrenched in new york okay yeah what brought you up here eventually uh, the mm -hmm. boston state house collection had um commissioned me to do a portrait oh right yes um now those are 138 paintings in that collection and there are tarbells and there are mm -hmm. sergeants and it's right. daniel webster and it's all these statesmen Wow. of Boston and it's the the Boston Guild of Painting and I was no I don't think you want me <laughs> and they said no no we've been to Portraits Incorporated in New York this wow. is the year 2000 we want something contemporary we want nice. so um Oh my God! I had I had just sold my house and my studio in Connecticut. Okay. I was intending to move to Block Island. I had a house there. I was um, in the process of purchasing because I had spent many years on Block Island. Had lived on the island. Nice. Um. So I came up here to Newcastle to start the portrait. And I spent five weeks on and off from Block Island to here, from Block Island to here, working on the portrait. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, oh my God, they want one of those traditional. <laughs> Are you sure you want me? You're so funny. Ugh. Wow. So uh, they said, yes, we want you. So the bottom line was I... I went to the the subject's house in Newcastle. We okay. started paintings in the dining room. The light uh, was terrible. Then we ended up with another painting in the garage, and then we went back to the kitchen. Mm -hmm. I did 26 30 by 40 paintings. Wow. And I had a deadline of November because they wanted to have the varnishing day in the end. Veiling, oh. and this was the summer. Okay. And I thought, thank God for my commercial training. Yeah. I mean, I, I oh, right. work well under a deadline. Mm -hmm. But this I never imagined so, I would restart it, restart it, restart it. And he was so patient. He just. <laughs> this oh, was um, James Brink. Brink. Yeah. He's and so patiently. So were these studies? Did you say these are studies? Or these were 30 by 40 paintings. <laughs> were, no, and study. every time I would arrive with a new canvas, he would just gulp. <laughs> It's okay. I'm sure this one's going to work. <laughs> so and what did you do with them all? Did he? Did he? Oh, I've got some of them in my. Some? Uh, some of them are in my. I never showed. He would stop me and say, "But I really <laughs> like." No, no, no. And no, I'm going to. Mm. Oh my gosh! It was oh, it was fun. unbelievable, oh. and uh, I was, I, I, I was just reminded of Picasso painting Gertrude Stein. Uh -huh. 
that she posed, that story was said, that she posed 85 hours. Wow. Watched him listen to his temper tantrums behind the <laughs> canvas and then watched a knife <gasps> come through the canvas from the back. And oh. she was, you know, they had a, a rather fiery relationship anyway, if you've read about it. <laughs> she said, that's it. I'm not doing this anymore. And he said, he convinced her, no, no, just one more time. <laughs> and the painting we're all familiar with mm. of her sitting there with her hands on her lap came together in three hours. Amazing. So Amazing. I always told my students, sometimes it's easier to give birth than raise the dead. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's very good. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think was your hesitation? Was it the thoughts of, oh my God, this is going to be hung next to, you know, Tower Bell and Sergeant? Or was it, it must have. No, it was just, it, it was, um, it was the magnitude of the project. Yeah. And I think, yeah, probably it did have mm. something to do with this is in this collection. Yeah. Wow. And That's I was really nervous. But he had mm. said to me, we chose you because you don't paint like right. that. Right. So he believed in me. Yeah. Were you at all trying to incorporate the two, your style and, and the old school? Yeah, and that's what you were just weren't happy. Well, I did the back, the black background, uh -huh, and the figure emerging out of the black okay. background. He's got a dark suit on. He's got a bow tie, and yeah. he only had three fingers. And I thought, well, um, that's what this painting is about: his mm. shaved head, his bow tie, and his missing finger, mm. which he always displayed. displayed. Yeah, he did. So, yeah. what what was the final product? What style would you say? emerged I don't think in terms of style okay but I mean I what I'm getting at is you was it all you it was all me yeah good it was all me good and uh, you weren't trying to no good. not by the end you were done with it <laughs> and I looked at it at the the unveiling up there on the wall oh. next to Daniel Webster and mm. Copley and I said well yes. I don't know what they're gonna say about this <laughs> But I gave what it my honor. best shot, and yeah. I, I liked it. I love it. Which I think is really important. You have to mm. paint for yourself. You, I, I know usually in the first 20 minutes mm -hmm. whether this is going to be a good painting or mm. it's not. Mm. And what do you do if, if you feel like it's not? Do you stop? I start over. You do, okay. You wipe it. Unless there's that that. That thing that's beating, that little heart that's beating. <laughs> Any sign know? of life. <laughs> that, no, I really, I got that. Now make it work. Okay. Yeah. You know, I, I got what struck me. Right, right. And then there, I compare it to having a child. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I've been a sing. I was a single parent for 30 some odd years, still am. Mm -hmm. And... You don't know what you're going to get, you know, but you work with what you get yeah. because each child, just like each painting, yeah. has its own life. Mm -hmm. It has its own heartbeat. And what you have to do is not 
have any preconceived idea mm. of what this painting should be. Right, right. Like yeah. being a mom, yeah. you can't have a preconceived idea of what this child yeah. should be. Then you miss what it is. Mm. Very true. Very, very, very true. Well, well said. Um, what are your plans for the future? What's happening coming up? Um, Anything new? Big goals? No, it's all a series of steps. Mm. I um, I had hip surgery a couple of years ago. I guess it was three years ago. Mm. I couldn't get upstairs to my studio. Mm. And they wouldn't let me go home because I lived alone. So I'm in rehab and I have my computer and I ordered hundreds of dollars worth of soft pastels, oil pastels. Oh. And I said, this is my opportunity. Oh. This is my opportunity to reinvent myself. Wow. So when I got home, uh, my handyman, who is my lifeline, set up a, a studio for me in my dining room. And all these Sennelier oil pastels arrived. Yeah. And I, everything was covered with plastic. He brought everything <laughs> I needed down from the studio. I have a beautiful studio at home in yeah. the top of a converted barn. Oh. And John had brought everything down to the dining room. Mm -hmm. And I had, there was, there's no technique in these oil pastels. Okay. And when I researched it, they could either look like Crayola drawings <laughs> or uh, there wasn't anything I saw out there on the internet or in a few books I ordered that spoke to me. So I sent the books back and ordered more pastels and they're gooey ah. and they're thick and they don't dry. Oh. So oh. that's therein like that was the challenge for me. Wow. They didn't dry. And it was the reason why I've always loved oil is because you can change your mind and you can manipulate and scrape it off and push mm -hmm. it and pile it on or use it like watercolor. Yeah. You know, and in my 50 years of painting, I have this history behind me of taking those different roots with oil painting because right. I didn't take lessons in mm. oil painting. Mm. So, um, so I've had great fun with these oil pastels and one thing I like to do is uh, these hundreds of sketchbooks I have uh, accumulated since 69 mm. working every week from the model every once in a while I will thumb through them a lot of them are in storage there are so many boxes but the more recent ones and um, I was experimenting with the oil pastels executing these life drawings okay and then when I was able to get up the studio stairs and into the studio and everything was moved up there, mm -hmm. then I started dipping into the paint. 
Yeah. And I'm on, and now I have I have found this wonderful paper I love that I ordered from France, this thick paper, and it took the oil paint. And when I hit the oil pastels with a turpentine brush, they liquefied. Oh. So now I'm doing form. And now I'm picking up the crayons and I'm doing them on top of the paintings. Wow. And I have a special area in my studio designated just for the oil pastels. Mm. And then I didn't like the direction it was going in. But because it never dried, I could take a big <laughs> fat palette knife six months wow. later, <laughs> scrape it all off, oh my goodness. throw it away, and go back in and play with it and play with it. And then yeah. it gets sticky and you can build it thick. So... That's very cool. So you say, what's next? You I keep, love you keep going with it. Playing. How do they fix? Is there a fixative when you want it yeah, to stay? Yeah, it's $35 a can. <laughs> uh, and it doesn't really fix them. Really? See, Sennelier designed these mm. um, in the 40s. And he, handed, he was the chemist for Picasso. He did oh. Picasso's pigments. Wow. And he gave them to Picasso very limited amount of colors and but beautiful pigments i mean this is why they're so expensive they're mm. so intense wow there's a nude under glass at the discovery center that is this oil pastel i saw that okay you have to put them under glass so uh, he said how do you like these tell me how you like these and picasso loved them so senelier expanded the palette Mm -hmm. And the palettes are, they're just, any kind of pastel is such pure pigment. It's so intense. Mm. Wow. And I, you know, color is my thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would say. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I think <laughs> the more I work, the more intense I get with, mm. because I'm seeing more color i'm seeing more i'm seeing more i, I have to stop myself because huh. i'm afraid my paintings are going to look like a circus <laughs> if i keep going but i see huh. for me the essence of color are the neutrals okay how do you mix the complements complementary temperatures or same temperatures and get the neutrals because I discovered this in Bonnard's work and especially in Villiard's work, the way he controlled those, or not controlled, but emphasized mm -hmm. the color notes was his use of the neutrals. Ah, okay. And those neutrals are mixed complementary colors. Right. So that's what will give you the, the 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 shock okay. of color and that's what light is mm -hmm. light reveals color mm -hmm. even in the shadow light reveals yeah. color in the shadow yeah wow i love it so you are you're always learning always moving always thinking always it. observing that's out of the box those sound fascinating okay let's see as we wind down how do you love social media <laughs> how do you Keep up with it all. 
you love the, it. What I love best about social media is when I can't sleep at night, mm -hmm. um, I go to YouTube and watch people paint. Oh, wow. Nice. That's yeah. what I love about social media. Well, I, I, I have hundreds of books in my library, mm -hmm. uh, and so much of it is in my head. Mm -hmm. When I go on the internet, I don't have to dig through my 11 Sargent books or my Soroya books or my Zorn books or, or especially my Bonard, my Matisse and my, because the, the reproductions in the books yeah. pale compared to mm -hmm. how they're illuminated mm -hmm. online. Yeah. So I often think, oh my God, I wish when I was in college, yeah. I had this internet because right. it's, a, it, it's just wonderful to be yeah. able to see. So when they're well photographed, mm -hmm. it's such a better venue to view the artwork yeah. Yeah, than amazing. the printed books. And, right. Yeah. So what does a perfect day look like? A perfect day <laughs> is yeah. when I'm painting and the painting is painting me. Mm. That's wow. a perfect day. When I'm not working well, when that's not happening, and it sometimes happens, and mm. it would throw me. I would have dry spells and I mm. would go into MoMA. And I would wander through the galleries or sit on the floor in the bookstore. Mm. Or I'd go to the galleries on 57th Street. There were a number of galleries that exhibited uh, French contemporary painters that I really liked mm -hmm. uh, back in the 80s when I lived in that area, in the 90s. I'd have those dry spells, but then when I turn a corner and s start to paint something I don't know how to paint mm -hmm. and I find my way my way yeah then um, I am just the happiest person yeah and everybody knows it because the contrast of when my work isn't going well everybody knows it yeah they don't want to be around me. I know. So do you feel it coming on like, oh, God, here we go. It's coming on a dry spell. No. It no. just like hits. It just hits. I, yeah. I get bored with my work. Mm. So my work is constantly evolving. Evolving, yeah. It's evolving. I, I like how you it's handle it. It's very lonely. productive to go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's true, right? That's what they say about us crazies. Um, What's your greatest fear in or out of the studio? That I won't be able to paint physically. Mm -hmm. That's my greatest fear. Did that hip give you a scare? It didn't scare me, but it it made me realize how volatile. Yeah. <coughs> how mm -hmm. volatile it is. And um, I remember saying to my husband when I was in art school, or when we graduate art school. I mean, we both, this was our life. Yeah, yeah. This was our marriage. This was what we were all about. Right. Um, 
I remember making him promise, <laughs> and I was like 26, if I can't paint, mm -hmm. let me, help me. Yeah. And because I don't want to be here if I can't paint. I, I just don't. Yeah. That's awesome. What advice would you give to other artists when they hit the doldrums, when they feel like they're stuck and they don't know where to go, move forward? Put themselves in a comfortable place of their own choosing. Mm -hmm. There was a wonderful quote I had painted on my wall and it was uh, by Rilke. Mm -hmm. And he had, I had acquired a little book, um, Letters to a Young Poet, that mm -hmm. he wrote to one of his students. Mm -hmm. And what jumped out at me, and I'll never forget this quote, uh, went like this. There in the solitude of unfamiliar places you will find all your ways. Mm. So when I went to live on the island, I had that written right in front of me every morning. Mm -hmm. I was frightened to live on the island during the winter when the population shrunk. Yeah. But I also seized that time in my life as a place where I could find my way. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I would say, um, I can only share with my students my experience. Mm -hmm. um, the other stuff they can read about. But I I guess don't get comfortable. Challenge yeah. yourself. Mm -hmm. Always paint what you don't know how to paint. Yeah. <laughs> but what you want to paint, what right. strikes you. Right. That's good. Very, very good. Okay, where can we find your work besides the Discover Portsmouth Center? Till the end of September, please go see the show. You can come visit me at my studio. I'm okay. in and out of galleries. I have galleries in Sarasota and, mm -hmm. and Block Island and here and there in Connecticut. But the in your studios in Kittery, uh, I have two studios. Two, okay. The best thing to do is to contact me. Mm -hmm. um, I do have people come to my private studio in South Berwick. Okay. Um, Kittery is where I teach, and we have the uh, open studios Thanksgiving weekend up there. Okay. So I will hang everything uh, there. Not everything, but most things. The In best. The best is to come to me. Okay. So they can contact you through your website. Mm -hmm. So Pamela DeLongWilliams.com. Mm -hmm. Good. And on Facebook? You're on yes, there. I'm on Facebook. I use Facebook primarily for professional reasons. So mm -hmm. I guess Facebook me. And, and it's just under your name as well, Pamela mm -hmm. Wonderful. Thank you so much. This was an awesome interview. I enjoyed Thank hearing you. all about Thank it. you for asking me. It Thank was you. fun. Awesome. Have a great day. You too. If you found inspiration from today's show, make sure you are subscribed to the podcast and share it with a friend or two on social media. Also, take a moment to write a quick review on iTunes or share your takeaways from today's show on artistsofnewengland.com under today's episode. And while you're there, you'll find links to the topics mentioned in today's show 
And don't forget to peruse the growing library of podcasts and resources. Thanks for listening. You got beauty to share with the world that no other human has. So get in the ring and pick up that brush.